Father God, please. Father God, we pray now that you would speak to our hearts and our minds and show us the love of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you please be seated? Can I just of all say, first of all, thank you to our youth group for singing for us. Let's give them a round of applause and say thanks ever so much. You have been such an encouragement, the youth group here. It's been such a joy to see uh, how people have grown, grown together. Thank you ever so much. Colossians 3, verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I think we need to hear that. I spent most of the time yesterday preparing for this talk, feeling rather chewed up. We simply did not know how things would work out. As I said, I wasn't even sure whether we would be meeting this morning. But we need peace. Peace in our relationships, which is what this passage is about. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and peace in ourselves. So I'd like to leave you with four instructions. And they come from Colossians 3, and they're instructions that will lead us in the way of peace. First of all, remember that you are chosen, holy, and beloved. That really is the starting point of everything. When Jesus was baptised, a voice was heard coming from heaven, This is my Son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. When we're baptised, and we're going to have those three baptisms in a few moments, we are identified with Jesus in his baptism, in his life, in his resurrection. We are, to use a very untheological term, superglued to Jesus. So when God looks at Jesus, he sees us because we are stuck to Jesus. Because Jesus is the chosen one, because Jesus is holy, because Jesus is beloved, we are chosen, we are holy, and we are beloved. There are three symbols that we use in baptism. There's the symbol of water. We are washed clean. We are forgiven. There's the symbol of the candle. We are given the flame is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And there's the symbol of the cross signed on the forehead. I often speak of that as the divine stamp. God's branding us. God's saying that we belong to him. Wherever we go, especially if we drift away from God, we can put, if we've been baptised, our head on our forehead and realise that we have been marked with the cross. We do not belong to this world. We do not even belong to ourselves. But we belong to God. We have his mark on us. It's when we are with him, we are truly home. But we can also see that marking the sign of the cross as God's kiss. When the minister marks the candidate with the sign of the cross, it is as if God is kissing them. 
he is saying to them, you are my chosen one, holy and beloved. Remember you are chosen, not chosen instead of other people, but for the sake of other people. And remember that you are beloved of God. That is so releasing, so affirming, so liberating. He knows you. He knows how mixed up you are. He knows your angers, your passions, your hurts, your fears. He knows everything that you have done. He knows your thoughts. There is nothing about you that he does not know that is hidden from him. And despite all of that, he has still chosen you. He has still called you to him. And he still loves you. So you really, really are okay. You do not need to pretend you can be completely open with him. You have nothing to prove, not to your family, not to the world, not to yourself. And you do not need to make yourself lovable. And irrespective of what the world says, because you are chosen, holy and beloved, you matter. You really do matter. However small or insignificant you might think that you are. There is an English spiritual mother, a lady called Julian of Norwich, who wrote in one of her reflections, all will be well. Yes, we may be led through the fire, we may suffer, we may face great grief, but in the end, all will be well. Paul writes, all things work for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Remember, remember the kiss. Remember that God loves you. Secondly, put on the beautiful robe that God offers you. Clothe yourselves, verse 14, writes Paul, with love. The Holy Spirit holds out to you a robe. It's a gift of God to you. It is stunning. The person who wears it becomes radiant. And it's a gift that is offered to every person who has received the love of God all, all we need to do is take it and put it on. It's the robe of love. As we look closer at this robe, as we look closer at love, we see compassion. That's what it says here. A genuine feeling for and suffering for the other. Often it comes when we ourselves have suffered. Often when we've been through the fire. We can be there with people who have been through the fire or who are going through the fire. Kindness. Be kind to each other. Be kind in what you say and what you do. Humility. We are beloved. We've nothing to prove. We can, if we choose, serve the other. We can do the equivalent of kneeling down and washing the feet of the other as genuine service. 
meekness. We are beloved, so we don't need to assert ourselves. Patience. God is in control. It is his timing that matters. We do not need to push it. Don't please be like the person who prays, God, give me patience, but give it to me now. <laughs> and when we put on this robe of love, we learn to bear with each other. We are all strange. We all do stuff that irritates other people. We think some people are boring, unattractive, creepy, pompous, or ignorant. Just remember, there will be people who think that you are boring, unattractive, creepy, pompous, or foolish. Bear with one another. Give them time. Be kind to them. And pray that God will give them grace to bear with you, give you time, and be kind to you. And the clasp of this robe of love, the beautiful clasp, is forgiveness. Forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, verse 13. We often say, I'll forgive them, when they say sorry, that is completely missing the point. God forgave us long before we said sorry. He forgave us 2,000 years ago when his son died on the cross. And at our baptism, we are reminded of that. We are washed in the water. It is a sign that our sins have been forgiven, were forgiven when Jesus died on the cross. It is a sign that God forgave us even before we became aware of the fact that we needed forgiveness. And that's particularly true if we were baptized as infants. There's a prayer that's used by the French Reformed Church. For you, little child, this is at their baptism service, for you, little child, Jesus Christ has come, he has fought, he has suffered. For you, he entered the shadow of Gethsemane and the horror of Calvary. For you, he uttered the cry, it is finished. For you, he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, and there he intercedes. For you, little child, even though you do not know it, but in this way the word of the gospel becomes true. We love him because he first loved us. Of course, we need to receive that forgiveness. And that is where saying sorry comes in. But we can say sorry to God because we have first been forgiven. The illustration I often use on this one, forgive me, Nicolette, I'm just going to pick on you, but um, <laughs> is this. Nicolette is an incredibly gracious, kind person. Nicolette has heard that I've been going around saying some not very nice things about her. Nicolette chooses in her mind and she says, I, I'm going to forgive him, I forgive him. But she comes to me and she says, Malcolm, I hear you've been saying this about me. 
there are a number of ways I could respond to that. I, I could say, um, no, I haven't. No, I, well, well no, first of all, I, I could say, yes, I have, uh, and, but other people are saying far worse things about you. <laughs> In which case, even though she wants to offer forgiveness, I can't receive it. I could say, and this is probably what I would say, Nicolette is standing there, oh, no, I haven't, no, I haven't, no, I haven't, no, I haven't. In which case, although she wants to offer forgiveness, I can't receive it. The relationship can only be restored if I'm prepared to look at her in the face and say, yes, I did, and, I, and I'm sorry. And then the relationship is restored. But you see, she's already forgiveness has already started with her. God first loved us, God first forgave us, and in the light of that, we're free to say sorry to him. So remember, you are beloved. Remember the cross, the kiss. Clothe yourself, secondly, with this robe of love which the Holy Spirit offers to you. Bear with one another and put on the clasp of forgiveness. The forgiveness that you offer others because you first have been forgiven. That is what holds this robe together. It's what keeps it close to you and your heart. Thirdly, drink deeply of the word of Christ. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I hope that if you've realised nothing else from my preaching you will have realized that I have a deep passion for Scripture, for the Word of God. I've tried to teach what is in the passage, whether it's in sermons or on what have I just read or in our Bible studies. Not what I think should be there, not what I would like to be there, which would make my life much easier and would make my message much more palatable, but what I think and pray is there. Of course, we need to rightly understand the scriptures. We need the help of our brothers and sisters from ages past, how they have understood those scriptures. And we need the help of each other, each of us from our different perspectives, from our different cultural backgrounds. We need all of that. And of course, there are times when we do not and cannot understand a passage. But rather than simply say, oh, well, that's rubbish, we need to simply admit it. The story is told of a desert father who asked his three disciples what a complicated passage of the Bible meant. The first gave his interpretation, the second gave his, and the third said, I don't know, I'm trying to work it out. And the spiritual father said, this third has begun to understand the scriptures. I realise that there will have been many times when I've got it wrong and for that I ask your forgiveness and God's forgiveness. But we need to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. It is that word of Christ which challenges us and teaches us. It's when I first started to read the Bible that I really did begin to experience the presence and power of God at work in me and working through me. That was as a teenager. 
When I'm spiritually dry, I will go back and study the scriptures, drawing connections between passages, seeing what the main thing is, drawing out new insights along with old insights. There is always something new. When I do not know how to pray or what to pray for, I will learn verses and try to pray those verses for myself, for the church, for those for whom God has given me responsibility. For instance, this morning, I prayed that God would help me put on that robe of compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Pray that for myself. I pray that for you, for us. And I'll pray some of the Bible prayers, the Lord's Prayer, Zechariah's Prayer, the Benedictus, which many of you know has been very special for me. The Jesus Prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. I would urge you, drink deep from the Scriptures, the Word of Christ. There's a great Anglican prayer collect that we might read, mark, and inwardly digest them. Read them. Mark them. Maybe if you're one of those people and you still have a written Bible, literally mark it. and inwardly digest it. Take it into yourself, just as we're going to take the bread and wine at communion into ourselves. Let it dwell richly in you. Listen to the story of the Bible. Become part of the story of the Bible. Drink deeply of the Word of God. And fourthly, be thankful. Be thankful for all that God has given us, his love, forgiveness, compassion, patience, his strength and peace. Be thankful for his promises that our sins are forgiven, that he will transform us, that he has given his Holy Spirit to us, that there is hope for us and hope for this creation, that his presence is with us. Be thankful in the good times. Often, often, you know, it can be the harder time to be thankful, but for the blessings and the joys and happinesses that he gives. Give thanks to him for good times, for hopes fulfilled and longings satisfied. But also give thanks to him in the difficult times, because he never abandons us and uses those difficult times to shape us so that we can become like him. Paul writes, we rejoice in our sufferings. Well, he doesn't quite. This is my very loose translation. Because suffering builds character and leads to hope and longing. And that hope and longing will not be disappointed because God pours out his love on us, in us, through his Holy Spirit. Diamonds are the hardest material in the world. They are also one of the most precious and one of the most beautiful. But to begin to be formed, diamonds require at least 725,000 pounds per square inch of pressure and temperatures between 2,000 and 2,200 degrees Fahrenheit. And it takes between 1 billion and 3.3 billion years for them to be formed. 
God is in the business of making us spiritual diamonds, resilient, precious, and beautiful. So we thank God when he takes us through the heat of suffering and places us under great pressure because he is beginning to do that work in us and make us spiritual diamonds. Today I particularly give thanks to God for this place and I give thanks to God for you. People from all over the world. The world we've gathered together to worship God, to receive from God and to grow in God. I thank God for all that we have received and for what we have seen him do. We thank God for the difficult times that we have been through, the political difficulties, the uncertainties, COVID, and those we lost in COVID, especially Hong, the many friends we've had to say goodbye to. By the way, goodbye in English is God be with you. It's a lovely way of saying farewell. I think in particular of that 2022 Ash Wednesday service when we said goodbye to so many people at one service and yet there was such a sense of the presence of God with us. And we thank him for the good times and encouragements. I thank him for the World Cup here. That was just amazing. The fates and bazaars, the history days, and this year when we finally managed to put on Maslenitsa for money raised for the restoration, for the works done on the West End, the foundations and the, new, and the roof, for the chapel downstairs, for those who have become Christians and have chosen to follow the Lord Jesus, who've received baptism or confirmation, for those who have gone forward for ordained ministry, for our youth group and children's groups, for some of our very special services, not just the large Easter Sunday or the midnight communion and when we sing Silent Night unaccompanied, but also the small, for the sense of deep peace that often came at the end of the Wednesday communion service in the early years. At the end of the service, there was just, I couldn't quite explain it, there was just a sense of the awesome presence of God. And I have thanked God that we've discovered that when we are weak, then we are strong. When we are nobody, then God can work in us and through us. And I thank him that we can entrust our future into his own hands, into his hands. My own future, no, we do not yet know where we are going, but also the future of St. Andrews, of this place, of you and the witness here. We thank him because God is in control and he loves you and Jesus will never leave you. So four things. Remember the kiss. You are beloved. Put on the robe, that beautiful cloak of love with the clasp of forgiveness. Drink deeply from the word of God and be thankful. And when we do those things, then we will know the peace of Christ. 
we will become people of peace and we will make and do for the things that lead to peace.